I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Quartet Center Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shevinoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, future Jiu-Jitsu world champion, Angel Ortega. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, boys. Uh, UFC 298 to go over. UFC Mexico going down this weekend, as well as a PFL versus Bellator card going down in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. As always, news to cover as well. Uh, real quickly, we are brought to you by two sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elix. Rogue Energy can be fueled up. Gets me to the finish line, whether I'm at the gym or working from home. Elixir, though, they get me really, really chilled out with their Delta A products, and you can enjoy them as well with code SOUNDOFF for both of those websites. Rogue Energy and Elixir, code SOUNDOFF, all caps, for 10% off. Uh, you know, I feel like before we actually kick into the, the recap, I feel like, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that there was a, cause last week, if you recall, we, at the start of the show, uh, we talked about, uh, Kansas City, and because we're both from Kansas City, and we were talking about celebrating the Super Bowl win, and it was actually the morning of uh, the uh, the parade. Um, and then at that parade, I'm sure you've read by now that uh, I believe the number was 30 people were shot, uh, and and one woman passed away. Um, terrible situation, man. I, I feel like we've we'd be remiss if we didn't send you know thoughts and you know it's, it's terrible with thoughts and prayer. That's all we literally can do, um, and and just. Show support of the families. I'll probably leave the description down below because I know there's been a lot of uh, GoFundMe's created for, for a lot of people involved in the shooting. Um, Angel, any quick thoughts on that? I know that I'm kind of springing this on you, but you know, I know we talked about it a lot. I know you, you hit me with it out of nowhere. I mean, it's been all over the the, the news, especially the local news for us. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much talked about in some, you know, uh, I see it at work pretty much every day. In some fashion, it's been mentioned in, in some capacity. Um, sad man. I. Uh, Heartbreaking, you know, that, you know, a few people just had to, you know, ruin such a, a nice moment and make it into a tragedy for some people, you know. Um, and it's crazy, you know, because they had, I mean, fucking the FBI was there apparently. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they had, uh, they had 800, uh, uniformed cops and God knows how many that were in plain clothes, yeah. Yep, on top of that. And then, you know, snipers on the roof. They were, you know, they were set up. Sadly, they just, uh, you know, this ended up happening and, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just sad, you know. I, I was really, I was really down afterwards because uh, I, I'm not, you know, not to be kind of, you know, get on a little tangent here on the podcast, but I just had some weird feeling about that day, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I feel fucking terrible that I even thought that way, but fuck, mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't wrong. I mean, I don't know if that just goes to show the kind of world we live in now. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, justice, you know, occurs. Um, apparently, most of the people involved were uh, juveniles, so. You know, that's a whole other topic yeah. uh, in, in, uh, in our Kansas City area, which hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we can make a difference and prevent this from ever happening again. And hopefully it never happens ever again anywhere in the world. You know, no no one should be uh, afraid to go out. No one should feel unsafe in public, mm-hmm. you know, and especially in, in, in a moment of uh, of happiness. You know, this was this was meant to be happiness. I mean, I think it was even on fucking Valentine's Day, right? Did it even fall on Valentine's Day? Uh, I th- yeah, it did. It did fall on Valentine's Day. Yeah. On on top of that, which is just fucking yeah. insane. So. Yeah, I mean, as of now, they've arrested four people. Two of them were juveniles, and you know, um, 
It's just, it's fucking terrible. I feel, I feel like we had to bring it up just because we, I was gonna, I was thinking about even cutting it with a message last week after, but I was like, you know, I'm just gonna leave it in its, its original form of the pod, so, and just talk about it this week. So yeah, I mean, well, I'll probably put in the description of the pod some, some of the, some of the, like the resources for the GoFundMe and some of the people who, um, suffered, you know, at that, the, at the parade, man. I will say this, uh, just to kind of close it out. If, if there's, if there's one thing, and I don't, there's not, there's no good way to deal with a mass shooting. Obviously, uh, but the fact that uh, seeing a lot of the stories come out about how some of the players, um, you know, talked with a lot of kids, or even Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think, took a kid to like cover, you know, um, Andy Reid was in Union Station meeting up and then, uh, you know, talking to a lot of the kids, calming them down. And the fact that a couple of our fans tackled one of the fuckers, I mean, <laughs> real motherfuckers in case real, bro. Real, real motherfuckers. motherfuckers. And and I and I saw the interview and he was like, Yeah, I was fucking digging into the body on the ground. I was fucking hitting him and he's just like, Yeah, man, I like that's that's this city, man. If there's if there's no good way to deal with it, but I will say I was proud of the way everybody kinda has kind of rallied around and um that's that's Kansas City, man. That's you know, bad shit happens, but still here, man. So uh yeah, we'll we'll move on, but I feel like I just had to bring that up and uh, you know, yeah, just just terrible, but you know, late, I will say, we're, we're going to move on. Um, but anyways, last Saturday night from the the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, you know, I said going into this card, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, Ilya Teporia is arguably the greatest fight the UFC can make on paper. And in the end, we have a new featherweight king, El Matador. Ilya Teporia knocks out the great Alexander Volkanovsky in the second round, 332, just a devastating shot, just, just blistering. If you, if you guys go watch like the, you couldn't really tell kind of like in the moment, you know, you kind of fall into it. But dude, if you watch like the cage side replay of it, dude, blistering speed. Volkanovsky, he had no chance, dude. I mean, just shots coming through the guard, ends up being put down, Ilya Teporia and new. Um, there's a lot of t- stuff to really kind of take away from this. I mean, that first round was kind of back and forth. What did you make of this fight, man? I mean, dude, Ilya just seems so comfortable in there. So comfortable, so confident. Kind of the energy he had outside of the cage was definitely in the cage as well. Um, con- had well, constantly behind that black line that we hear all the times where, you know, like takedowns occur, a lot of offense occurs afterwards, you know. And just had him circling, circling, throwing kick. I didn't think Volk looked bad. His game plan has been questioned a lot, though, uh, as far as like a lot of kicks, kicks to the, kicks to the arms, you know, kicks to, to all of that, uh, kicks to the legs. Um, but he was, he, he seemed to, you know, kind of seemed like, uh, for the most part, kind of like a typical Volk fight, like, okay, we're going to kind of get, you know, we're going to kind of get going a little bit. We're going to throw a little bit. We're going to try to analyze, let the fight come, you know, develop, and then we'll kind of, uh, you know, go from there. Um, in the in the short amount of time, and granted, you know, it was only two was it two and a half rounds or slightly over two and a half rounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt like Volk never was able to find himself full. Like he was never fully able to establish himself as the controller of the fight, even though he arguably won that first round. And uh, you know, ha- you know, but even then, he was the one backing up a lot. You know, circling like I mentioned earlier. And like, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Ilya just seemed confident, you know, and the power was apparent from the from the moment that that first combination landed in the first round. You could tell Volk was like, "Oh fuck, okay." And and then with the followed up shots, I mean, he ended the com- he ended the the fight with a you know five punch combination, you know, that he followed all the way through to the ground. Yeah, I mean, this is a it's it's, it's history, you know, history has been made for Spanish champ 
Uh, Georgian champ, too, I guess, if they want to slide both of those in there. Uh, big moment for Spain. A lot of uh, Spanish celebrities coming out in the Spanish media and Georgian media uh, celebrating Marab and Ilya. It's uh, it's definitely a, a massive moment, man. You know, that, that's the beauty of the sport where a guy from a country that's maybe not the biggest, you know, or maybe hasn't had champions in other sports comes in and makes this kind of splash. I mean, this is this is the beauty of the UFC, man. Obviously, hurts for Volk. But for Ilya, I mean, you had the likes of Sergio Ramos writing a whole statement like it, Iker Casillas. Uh, I think even – I think – I might be wrong, but Nadal or, or someone else like uh like wrote a statement. I, I could be wrong here as well, giving him the praises of Spanish. He was in the biggest Spanish media newspaper this morning or yesterday. I can't remember. Uh, and just to give an idea of some of the people that we're talking about. Like I I, I looked it up. Sergio Ramos has like sixty thousand followers on Instagram. You have to get ten Patrick Mahomes accounts just to make up <laughs> Sergio Ramos following. Just to give you guys an idea of the people there. We're, you know, following Ilya. But Angel, America is the world. You have to know that. Oh, man, dude, right now, right? That's why we have so many American champs right now in the UFC. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, the, 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 and and there's a guy I follow on Instagram named Aker Ruiz. He does these, uh, small format, like, pieces on, uh, athletes. And he did one on Ilya, and he was like, you know, he showed us that, uh, you know, the, you know, the dreamer can reach his dream. You know, he's reached the, now, you know, he showed us that a Spaniard could be a champion of the UFC. You know, he's, he's, he did what, uh, what Paul did, you know, in the NFL, uh, NBA. He did what, uh, I can't think of the, the, the Spanish F1 driver, but him. And then he, you know, Nadal, you know, he mentioned all these Spanish athletes that aren't, uh, necessarily in the, you know, like soccer and stuff like that, who have, you know, done great things in their sport as well. I mean, he, he established himself in history as a, in some capacity, at all times, uh, great in in Spain, you know, in this sport, because there's been at the moment, and who knows when it will ever happen if there'll never be another champion at Spain. Mm. Yeah, dude, and I've seen a lot of clips come out of, um, I don't know if it was Spain exactly. I know that he also has ties to Georgia as well, so I don't uh, forgive me. I don't really know where the videos are from, but I've seen like multiple like watch parties of Taporia, like the the end of him winning the belt, and like, dude. This motherfucker is the real deal. In terms of star power, like, it's all, you see why the UFC, like, pushed him from fighting, you know, Josh Emmett to, to fucking, who, you know, no slouch, but, I mean, not, not top five, you get my point. Like, to fighting for the title in, in Volk, and they knew he was the real deal, both in terms of talent, but also in terms of star power. And like you mentioned, guys like Sergio Ramos, like, hyping him up. That's huge. Not I mean, wrote, wrote a, wrote a statement, like, out of his own on his Instagram and posted it. Like, dude, yeah. like, that's high praise that he took. I mean, he could have had, and who knows, right? He could have had his publicist do that or whatever, but I doubt it. I doubt yeah. it. I mean, this guy flew into Florida, uh, last year and watched him fight live, you know, Cade side. Um, yeah. dude, on top, what, what else is it to say? Um, uh, kind of, you had my brain going there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you take over. I'll come back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I was looking it up. He already has 3,000, like 3,000, Jesus Christ, <laughs> three, 3.2 million followers. On Instagram, and he just became became champ. He's just he's just now starting the run. You know what I mean? And uh, that is just insane to me that that like he's already there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I know what came back he, to me. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I tell you, man. You know, I was going to talk about this. I'm like, dude, MMA math is just you know this this one you know doesn't worry because let me give everybody an idea. Think about how and granted they're all you know they they were still both great wins in their own way. I think Josh Emmett. 
fought Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez fought Volk. You saw how Volk beat Yair. You saw how Yair beat Josh Emmett. Ilya fought Josh Emmett. You saw how he beat him with, you know, going to distance, beating him on the feet. And then Ilya fought Volk. It's just, it's crazy, man. You can't, you can't do, you, you can't do this in this sport, man. You can't do this MMA match shit. I mean, there's sometimes where there's, de- there's definitely, you could definitely use it to a certain extent, but I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, um, yeah. I mean, you know what? So I, I, I saw people. Uh, on Saturday night, Volk called out, you know, not called out necessarily, but he talked about fighting a bunch of guys. Um, and one of the guys was Connor, Connor McGregor. And, you know, at first value, for like, you know, face value, you're like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy, you know? Uh, but at the same time, like, dude, in terms of star power, I don't think it's actually that crazy. Like, the UC knows they have something in Tapore, and I could see them, you know, maybe in a year or two, and if Connor ever fights again. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I feel like I should say that if Connor ever fights again, because we'll talk about UFC 300 in, in you know a couple minutes. But uh, I don't think he's ever gonna fight again personally. But I mean, hey, I mean, what do you, Josh? Michael Chandler called him out on WWE. That's yeah, that was in the rundown, but I guess we'll bring up that uh, that up right now. Yeah, Michael Chandler called out Conor McGregor at WWE Raw, and uh, dude, we're seeing the first signs of the TKO, like the TKO <laughs> group, like existing, like WWE and UFC crossover. Because so not only was Chandler there. But the night before, or not night before, two nights before, at UFC, they had CM, UFC veterans, CM Punk in attendance for the WWE. They had, uh, <laughs> who else? They had uh, Bianca Belair and her husband, Montez Ford, from the WWE. So we're seeing the first signs. And not only did they have um, Chandler, they had, I think, Tabitha Ricci and Callum Walsh were there. Um, Oban Elliott was there. Like, they had a really weird weird one but they had a bunch of usc fighters so it's kind of like okay we're getting going then we're getting going man um it I mean, makes Josh, you wonder yeah. we do need to address some things though i kind yeah, of really back we gotta address some of the yeah. statements that have been made from uh, volk and Ilya and dana too yeah uh, post fight Ilya yeah. makes it seem like he doesn't want to fight any of these top guys i mean i know but it, i'm not saying you know but it's kind of how it sounds like that's how it's coming off yeah uh I will say this. I think he's going to be champ quite a while, Josh, because this division right now, I don't see anybody who sticks, stands out to me. You know, Max is, a, you know, getting older, fighting out 155 right now, has the opportunity to fight for the belt now, now that Volk's out of the picture. Volk, mm-hmm. obviously, 35, I'm going, going on 36 here soon at some point in time. Um, Yair and Brian are good guys, man, but I just, I don't know, you know, like, I'm not seeing that next guy in line. Like, Mozart, undefeated, yet to get a finish has had, you know, some odd moments in his last two fights, but hasn't been super, I don't know, I feel like he hasn't been as active as he could have been as well. Um, who, who, who else? I mean, Arnold Allen, you know, back-to-back, I don't know if he has back-to-back losses, but I know it's not really not so far removed, but Max Holloway, now Mozar. Uh, the only guy who seems kind of interested in me in 145, and he's quite a bit away, is Lerone Murphy. Mm. You know, and that's quite a while from now. You know, Lerone yeah. just recently got into the rankings, and even then, I'm not necessarily thinking Lerone's going to beat Ilya at this time. So I feel like we're going to be in Ilya just turned 27, I believe. We're going to be we're going to have the Spanish era for quite a while, man. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Speaking of, but like, well, you mentioned Ilya probably he doesn't seem like he wants to fight these top contenders. What do you think is next for him? I mean, I know that some people were saying, you know. Volk shouldn't get the rematch because he's lost two in a row. But, like, if we're talking 145, I mean, they have to do the rematch just based on his his history, right? 
They might, but this is, it feels weird, Josh. I feel like this is one of the times where I'm not, like, the most down for it, which is weird. Yeah. Especially because, uh, Brian and Yair are about to fight literally this week, and we'll get to that here once we get through this card. But if Yair Rodriguez is winning that fight, these guys have major beef. You know, it's Spain and Mexico. You know, they both speak Spanish. You know, selling that across both those countries would be super easy. The lead up mm-hmm. is going to be insane. And I mean, you saw him on a aerial show. He does not like Ilya at all. It seems like Ilya does yeah. have uh, some animosity going back the other way. So there's definitely a fight there that could be built there, and that could make some big money, I think, too. Potentially even bigger than the Volk and Ilya fight at this time. I know this, that might uh, upset some people, but I, I think generally mm-hmm. because of the amount of promo those guys could do, and especially because they, you know, Ilya who could speak three or four languages, yeah, mm-hmm. you who could speak English and Spanish, you know, you definitely have something something there. And, and if they do it in Spain on top of that, what a crowd, man. Mm. Yeah, you're not wrong. I will say though, man, I, I do think he does deserve, does deserve the rematch. I don't. I agree with you that it feels like a time where it won't happen, mainly because of the fact that it was pretty lopsided. Like I understand the first round was was close. You know, I think you could you could have given it to Volk. You know, but even then, it felt I don't know, man. Once you saw the speed difference in them, it almost felt like a, a, a formality. Like like you know what I mean? Yeah. But um. I agree with you. I think he'll more than likely end up fighting the winner of Rodriguez and Nortega, which in I between. I think yeah. in between. He could fight three times this year. That's not something that we – it's out of the question. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, I mean, he could – depending how Yair and Brian goes or whoever wins there, you know, we're not trying to assume. Yeah. Uh, that fight could happen sooner than what we think. On top of that, yeah, he could fight later in the year as well. I mean, Ilya doesn't seem to take – I mean, he got touched up. I don't think he took any serious damage where in four months, you know, depending if three or four months, if he asks these guys to turn it around, they won't be ready. And then by the time of November or December, Volk and Ilya can go and they can set up a venue in Spain at that time. Yeah. And, and uh, dude, if they haven't fight in Spain, like, holy shit. You know what I mean? In the stadium, too. Dana didn't shut that down. I feel like Dana shut down stadiums a lot. But this is one time where he didn't shut it down. He does, he shuts down stadiums a lot, but then he also sometimes where he's like, yeah, we're gonna have a stadium, and then he doesn't do the stadium, you know. So no, you're not like, wrong, but this time he didn't yeah. shut it down fully, like which I thought was interesting. I feel like most yeah. of the other times he's been like, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. And on top of that, Real Madrid Stadium, which is the one that Elia brought up, they personally, I think, tweeted or said something that they would be more than glad to host that. Mm-hmm. They, I'm sure they would, but it all depends on how much they're willing to pay. You know what I mean? That's that's basically what it comes down to. Like the, the UFC just announced that they're gonna keep on they're gonna keep on going to the Honda Center in Anaheim. It's um, crazy. Yeah, they're gonna go there three times a year because they're. I mean, I don't know the terms of the deal, but uh, presumably they're paying a lot of money. Like I know that for UFC Atlantic City, they paid up like millions upon millions to get that show. So, um, yeah, I mean, if if they're willing to cough up some money, I'm sure that Dana will have no problem taking them there, which. I really hope, man. I really hope. So I want to see them do some funny, creative shit. I feel like I feel like it's been a minute, you know, since they've really done something really cool like that. This could be the time, man. This could be the guy who does all of that. And like I tell you, he screams confidence right now. He is like his confidence is crazy, man. Like I've, we've had confidence, but like the level of confidence is like I hate to say it, almost Connor esque. You know, we, we've had a lot of comparison, uh, comparisons to Connor throughout this uh, lead up to this fight and even like fight wise and like oh he grabbed the fucking fight. belt dude he was he was doing a whole impersonation of the guy you know like uh, another thing josh his reaction after the after the finish was he seemed surprised like he was yeah. in shock 
Like he could not believe that it, I don't know if he thought it was like, damn, that's it. Like I finally did it. Or was like, damn, it was that easy. Or if I, I mean, I'm not saying it was, or if he, yeah. but I wonder what his emotions were, what his feelings were like. Cause that reaction, I, I kind of like in the moment I noticed it instantly and it confused me, you know, cause it wasn't like instant excitement or euphoria. It was just like, I don't know if it was a sense of relief. I, I don't know what you want to call it, but it definitely did uh, throw me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that like, he kind of ha- looked like he kind of looked like he had that vibe about him all week, where like he was confident, but also like the moment he was kind of aware of how big the moment was. You know what I mean? So I think that's probably something that played a role. But yeah, I mean, I think we should go ahead and probably move on. But dude, just I mean, for Volkanovski to kind of to kind of close out on him, yeah, devastating, devastating. There's no other way to put it. And you know, in hindsight, he probably should have not fought as soon as he did i mean to get to get knocked out brutally by islam and then to turn around you know four months later that is a quick turnaround didn't end up working out for him so um you know we'll we'll see what he does man but i mean you can't write him off but it is it's it's just a damn shame that he that he ended up making that decision and ended up backfiring as bad as it did and he still might have lost to him anyway but that's kind of the problem right like if you're fighting a monster like the you should be taking that. You should have a full training camp, and you should maybe not have Mark Zuckerberg in the fucking corner too. You know, like, <laughs> I forgot the Zuck was there, man. That was that was funny, dude. It was funny, but it's it's funny to a point, right? Like to have. Well, I saw some memes like we gotta stop doing this shit, and it was like all the times they've had people in the corner who weren't, you know, like coaches. Like it was uh, who they put up there, threw him up there. They threw a Doggins. Uh, there's there another one. Josh Fabia, maybe? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Mike Perry's girlfriend, which it worked the first time, but the second time it did not work. No, it did not know? work out the second time. Joshua Fabia, Jesus Christ. You know, it's funny. I, he, I thought about him the other day. Like, yeah, last, really? Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I think they were talking about him on a podcast, and I like I had to look him up again because I was trying to find out like what was going on with him, and he's pretty much disappeared off the – not disappeared off the internet, but he's an active on the media since. That's a good call. That's, that's Diego, a smart decision. Since him and Diego are no longer working together, but holy fuck, dude, what a, what a time in the game, too. One of the the oddest times in the game. <laughs> I, I think, no joke, I think Diego would have been better off with uh, Steven Seagal in his corner than Joshua Fabian. I, that's not even an exaggeration. I think Diego might have actually could have won a fight with, with Seagal in his corner. Well, I mean, Seagal taught Anderson Silva that kick that one time, so... You're right, you're right. How can I be yeah. so ignorant? Yeah, so, I mean, it would have worked out well. But, uh, <laughs> jokes aside, man, I think we should probably go ahead and move on, because, uh, that co main event was an absolute banger, man. Robert the Weep- Reaper Whitaker ends up picking up a unanimous decision win, 29-28-29-28-30-27. Um, you know, scores don't really indicate it. It was a nice performance by Paulo Costa, but, man, just... Whitaker looked like uh, he looked like himself in there, man. If there were any doubts on if he his chin was gone or whatever it may be, no more doubts, man. Ended up looking great. What'd you make of his performance? This is what I expected, man. This is what I expected. I gotta give credit to the Paula though. Does that sound weird? Even though Paula lost, one of the better Paula Costa performances. Yeah. Uh, oddly, I mean, he was a little bit more calm in his approach. Kind of a, you know, it wasn't just him. I mean, he did come forward and, and, and try to brawl a little bit, but it wasn't to the extent that it had been in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I got to give him some credit there. Maybe an evolution in Paulo Costa's game there. And on top of that, he, he, he tagged Whitaker with that head kick. Was that round one or round two? I can't even remember. In the, in the closing seconds of round one, who knows if 
Dude, yeah. in, absolute insanity. Absolute insanity at, at the end of round one. I remember I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> no. You know, like, I, I got up from my seat a little bit. I, I was like, oh, no, it's not going to happen, right? It didn't. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. man, credit, credit to Robert Whitaker. Like, look, the state of 185 right now is, like, really fucked because, like, Sean just lost the title. Again, Izzy lost the title, and he's not that far removed from championship. Robert Whitaker really hasn't fought the ex-champ not that long ago. Had mm-hmm. a recent loss to Izzy. 185 is, is a shit show right now, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I really hope, like, some of these new blood and new gen fighters at 85 can start breaking through to kind of mix, make some things up and kind of maybe, like, push some out of, push some of these older fighters out. Uh, no hate to the older fighters, but, you know, just to establish themselves or, or, or let some of these older fighters hold their place down, but also take out this young talent in the process and show why they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing is, man, it's just like, like you mentioned, middleweight's in such a weird place. And, um, I guess I really don't know what, uh, I mean, it's not a, it's not in a bad place. It's just kind of in, kind of a weird one. Cause if you look throughout the, like, the landscape, dude, like, and, and this is kind of why we were hoping for, for Drikas potentially fight at UFC 300 to kind of clear things up, like, definitely a bit quicker. But, like, okay, so, like, you can just look at him. Think about it. Sean just lost the title. Controversial split decision. You know? Robert coming off a loss to, not coming off a loss, now coming off a win over Paulo Costa. Prior to that, he lost to the current champion. Uh, Izzy coming off a loss to Strickland. And then in the middle there, you got, you got Hamzat Shemaev, who won a title eliminator against Kamaru Usman last, uh, October. But he can't fight in the U.S. because he, he's banned from the U.S. due to his ties to Kadyrov. That was confirmed last week, I believe. Um, so he can't fight in the U.S. You have this weird kind of log jam where it's like, Hamzat, he's supposed to give the title shot, but he can't give the title shot because he can't fight in America. So it's like, what they're doing, what are they going to do? You know, Izzy, he's kind of on a hiatus, but he's not on a hiatus, you know, like, Sean just lost the title super controversial, but can you give him the rematch? Because he just lost the belt, and he was, you know, first time having it and didn't get a single title defense. Like, there's so much going on in middleweight right now. It's such an odd place. But uh, I'm sure there's, like, a proper solution to all this or a proper direction yeah. to go. But at the same time, it's like, right now it's like, who's who's Drikas going to fight? Yeah. I don't think there's a clear answer. There's not. Yeah. I feel like, in a way, like, 185 Hanna has to figure itself out, and then they could go about it. Unless someone comes up from 170 or 185 or a 205 or comes down who's highly ranked, yeah. I really don't know. I don't think there's a correct answer at this time at 185. And to be honest, I don't think I'd really be satisfied with any of the options right now at 185 because none of them seem like they deserve it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I fully agree with you. Um yeah, I mean it's it's in a weird place. I don't. Know I mean, I, I feel like yeah. if Brendan Allen would have got another big one here at the start of the year, maybe he could sneak himself in there. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think anybody's necessarily fighting for a Brendan Allen, you know, title shot when you got guys like Drikas who just recently popped up, Sean who's obviously, you know, blowing up in the media, and you know Izzy who's establishing Rob Whitaker who's like a fan favorite. So I mean, that's that's yeah. the issue with that that kind of fight if they do decide to go in that direction. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, it would be interesting if they end up, uh, Brendan Allen, that's an interesting one. I'm glad you brought him up because I saw him in DDP where they're recently going back and forth. So, ooh, ooh. Uh, planting the seeds, planting the seeds. That's what it's uh, all about, champ. That's what it's all about, champ. You know planting the, planting the fucking seed, you know, like Joe Let's go, champ. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that'd be fun. But yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with DDP. I mean, there's so many things. I really, I was really waiting to see, man, are they really going to give Whitaker, Whitaker DDP too? Made him at UFC 300, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, I'm glad they didn't, but, you know, it would have been funny. Um, nonetheless, man, next up on the, uh, UFC 298 main card, 
Ian Machado. You know, we were just hey, anyway, we were just talking about how Ilya Tapuria, he's going to bring a stadium show to Spain. Don't worry, man. Ian Machado, Gary, he's right behind him, bro. Um, he's at a first stadium up in Ireland. Well, Brazil these days because he's training down there. Well, you know, he said that he's actually too big. He might be too big to uh, <laughs> to fight in Ireland now. Um, anyways, Machado Gary takes up a split decision win, uh, 30-27, 28-29, 30-27 over Jeff Neal. Uh, how would you score it? It was a really weird fight. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way I put it. It was a strange fight. I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. I mean, it was a slower fight. I thought Ian did a great job picking his shots. I thought he was good on the counters. Um, it was just a, it was, it was a tough fight for, for Jeff Neal and for, for Ian. I thought he ended up getting the nod. I fucking, I'm trying to remember. I, I thought they were, I thought the rounds were relatively clear. Like, obviously it wasn't the best fight. Was it Ian round one and three? Maybe? Is that what it was? I'm trying to remember how they went. I don't even, I don't even remember, dude. I, I, I mean, it was I, such I, a, not I don't think, I don't think it was a 3027, just to make that clear. Um, no, I didn't either. But, uh, I, I thought Ian Gary ended up getting the nod. I thought, I thought he fought the way he was in a fight kind of for the most part. Um, he fought a smart fight. That's just what you gotta do. I mean, you can't go in on Jeff Neal and, uh, be taking big risk, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's a good win, man. I mean, honestly, I, I tip it. It was a tough opponent and, um, looking at the rankings right now, Ian's ranked six, man. The only people ahead of him are Kobe Covington, Gilbert, Gilbert Burns, Shockbot, Bilal, and Kamaru. And, you know, he's been calling for that Kobe fight. And honestly, that's not unrealistic. And honestly, I feel like those guys could actually sell that fight, make it some good promo. And to, to be honest, we need Kobe to fight. We need to be active. You know, he can't hold that uh, rank spot forever without fighting. So I think that'd be a good fight. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because he's the only one available. Because I think Gilbert Burns is going to be taking on Jack Dylan Madalena here soon. Uh, Shockbot. I think he's kind of going to wait it out for a title shot, I believe. Unless Kamaru Usman makes a return. I could see him maybe potentially fighting Kamaru. I don't, I don't, I really don't know what Kamaru's going to do. But we believe for the most part that at this point in time, welterweight, as far as the welterweight championship picture, to be Leon versus, uh, Bilal. Well, you know, it, it has to be Leon, Leon versus Bilal, but I will say that uh, I know. They, yeah, they did not offer Bilal uh, the chance to fight him at UC 300. They offered Leon, uh, Hamzat, Izan Makachev, and Shavkat Rachmanov. And he said yes to every single one, but all three of those guys said no for various reasons. Um, Which is crazy. I'm, I'm assuming because they couldn't do it. Well, I think it was Ramadan. Ramadan for... Um, so Rachmanov, I don't uh, probably Ramadan. I don't know his religion, honestly. Uh, but the other two definitely. The other two, so so Ramadan ends the week before UFC 300. So for Islam, it's probably the case. For Hamzat, it's that and not being allowed into the U.S. I would assume. Uh, and then Shavkat, he's coming off an injury anyway. So even if he's you know, so it, it was never going to happen. But yeah, I mean the fact that they didn't even offer Bilal that fight, it's like holy shit, man. Like has there been a more disrespected fighter in Shock terms pitch. of the way? John, well, I I don't remember for sure, but I want to say that John Fitch. It might have been, it might have not been to this extent, but he definitely got delayed for a very long time. You are correct in that, but I want to say that John Fitch, like, I want to say he won, like, maybe six fights in a row. Like, I know that he had a smaller win streak than Bilal does right now. You know what I mean? I know, but I think overall, leading into that fight, he was big. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. But, I mean, Bilal, dude, I mean, fucking Christ. I mean, what does he have to do? What does what, what he have to do? Genuinely, what does he have to do? I mean, John Burns, Fitch had, yeah. fought, had won 15 fights in a row up until that point, and then won, would you say, six of those in the UFC in a row? Yeah, so so six in the, so the UFC is the only part that matters, though. So, like... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if we want to 
you know. Well, Bilal has gone. He's currently on a ten fight unbeaten streak in the UFC. Yeah, and that's that's so, that's the thing. Yeah. But I'm, that's what I'm saying. If you want to give, you yeah. know, to, to compare to, to through all of them throughout history, I mean, that one's up there. I yeah. mean, is there? I don't know if there's anybody else. I mean, no, I mean, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, I he's up there as one of the most disrespected guys in UFC history. I mean, I think because now they have figured out this UFC three hundred situation, I actually think they'll end up giving Bilal the title shot. But the pathway to get there is just fucking brutal. Like the fact, like they better release a documentary on this shit. Like they, I know they talked about it about as, as far as like making the fucking making the event for UC three hundred. Like I want to see how fucking crazy this was. I think uh, I don't know if you saw it, but they. Uh, well, I mean, we'll come back to that later. I'm not going to get into it now. If I can mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but um. Anyways, man, um, it, it's yeah. I don't. I don't have too many too many other thoughts on it. But yeah, I mean, poor Bilal Muhammad, man. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I they, the fact that they were willing to give him a title shot to Shavkat, which like I get it, right? right. Come off a big win over Wonder Boy. All finishes. Seventeen all finishes. Trust me, I understand. But like, the the win to get the title shot would have been a win over Wonder Boy, who Bilal beat back in December of twenty twenty one. <laughs> he he been done did that. He been done did that. <laughs> he he are and he didn't finish him, but he beat the piss out of him. And after that, he beat a rising Luke. He was red hot. Who won like five in a row? Beat and uh, knocked out an undefeated Sean Brady. Not knocked him out, but technical stoppage. You know what I mean? And then he went out and dominated Gilbert Burns. It's like holy shit. What are we doing here, man? Injured like, Gilbert Burns. You know, let's you know. Let's but, you be know, fair. The, you're right. You, the you're history right. books he, won't remember that anyways. But just saying. Yeah, and that fight was a title eliminator. So it's like. He's supposed to get the title shot anyway. Like, what are we doing, dude? Like, it's just, yeah, no, it's, it's it is insane. But anyways, I think we should go ahead and move on. I uh, guess we got some other stuff to talk about. UC 298 on the main card. Uh, Murad Walsh, really, he is next up for Sean O'Malley. Ends up dominating Henry Cejudo, um, winning by unanimous decision. Maybe not domination. Um, I will say the early parts of the fight were close, but overall, a great night from Murad. And in that third round, just beating the shit out of him, dude. He hit him with, hit him with a hardcore holly, Alabama slam in the third round, bro. I mean, he just, <laughs> just he, he just beat the piss out of him uh, as the fight went on. Uh, what did you make of his performance? He has to be next in line. Dana White said he's next in line, but, I mean, as we know, we just talked about Bilal Muhammad. I mean, nobody's confirmed ever next in line, you know? I mean, look, what, what do you expect out of a guy who gave up three years of his prime coming back and coming right into the, the peak of, of this division, you know? Uh, even, even for Henry, who's a... A great fighter, definitely one of the best we're doing. One of the best competitors, I'd say at least. Um, it, it, it's a little saddening because I really do wonder what would have happened if he kept fighting after he beat Don Cruz. I think he stepped away. He thought he could, he thought he had some leverage being double champ, and he ended up fighting a guy in Marab for 15 minutes to get paid 150 thousand, and then get all that shit taxed. Yep. And then retired. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it, you know, we, I knew, we knew how this fight was going to go. Yep. I thought Henry had a chance. I thought Henry could look good in round one, but after that, I mean, it was Marab all day. Uh, credit to Henry, though. He came back, and he still – I mean, he went to distance again, both these guys, against uh, Aldrin and against Marab. I mean, definitely – it shows why he is at least one of the best competitors that we've ever seen in, in this in this uh, fight game, dude. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So yeah. sad. I mean, he could have got C4. As crazy as it sounds, like if he would have stuck around and looked dominant at 135, maybe even defended at at a at 125, 
because we've never had Josh. Have we ever had any yeah. of the in the males division? Any anybody who has been double champ defend their belts in both divi- divisions? Yes, but it's a little bit confusing. Uh, the only guy I believe to do it is DC. DC won the titles at light. He won the title light heavyweight, defended it multiple times, moved up to heavyweight, and then um, won the title obviously and defended it at heavyweight as the light heavyweight champion. Did he but win? he never went back down. Did he win as a heavyweight when he defended it? Uh, uh, yeah, correct. He defended titles at both divisions. But he did not go back down. He didn't, like, defend light heavyweight, win heavyweight, go back down to light heavyweight. You know what I mean? And granted, that would be very hard to do. But yeah. still, like, Henry could have maybe done that and really could have put himself in the position to become or at least challenge for three-weight champ like he said he wanted to do. He wanted to be C4, you know, which would have been awesome, dude. Can you imagine the build-up to that, the story, you know, pound for pound? Granted, Volk wasn't pound for pound yet, but, you know, these top pound for pound guys, this small guy – who has fought as low as 125, went up to 145, fighting this, fighting this rugby player who's now a professional fighter with this massive record and has all these skills. Like, there was definitely a story there, and it, uh, and it's just kind of like, he really thought that stepping away could have maybe got him more money, and it just didn't end up being like that. Mm-hmm. Granted though, Josh, 10 years down the line, we might find out that Henry was dealing with stuff or had injuries or something we never knew about. So, you know. That's always a thing too. We always find out a lot of stuff after the fact. It's easy. It's easy for us to make an opinion in the moment, and easy for us to say stuff when you know we're not Henry and we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And look, dude. I mean, Henry Sudo. I don't want to say he's an all-time what if because we know how good he was. Like he was that damn good. Like he's in the conversation. Whenever he retired back in 2020, and we all knew that he wasn't going to stay gone, but uh, you know he was technically retiring. Um, Genuinely, I mean, you could put him in the top ten of, of, of one of the greatest like uh, fighters of all time at that time. You know what I mean? Because he was just so good, and it's hard to emphasize who weren't watching because I mean, a lot of so many new fans have come in, and so many fans have left in, in the four year and like the during that span that he was retired and then you know came back. But Prime Center Henry Cejudo was so fucking good. Like the guy beat DJ. He beat DJ. Even if you think the, the fight was controversial, even if you thought DJ won, like I did. It was a close ass fight. Goes up, knocks out TJ Dillashaw, knocks out Marlon Moraes, who was red hot at that time, knocks out Dom Cruz. Like he looked so fucking good to where the point where talking about C four and him going to featherweight and me fighting Volkanovski, that wasn't that crazy. You know, we were like, oh shit, let's see it. You know, like let's do it. Fuck it. Yeah, because he was showing that power. He was rapidly improving, and then he threw it all away. So, um. Yeah, Would have had it, it all <laughs> rolling in the deep. deep. Oh, yeah, anyways. Yeah. Hugh Adell, baby. <laughs> yeah, he fucking, this guy, this guy. I gotta, I'm going to make a meme of that later, just so you know. <laughs> I love it. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, he just, he threw it away. He threw it away for, for nothing. I mean, and, and I understand what he was trying to do, and everybody knew at the time what he was trying to do, that he was just trying to get more money. But, like, man, to play that game with with an organization that you know doesn't give a fuck. Like, they didn't, they, they were gonna close his division, dude. Like, they saw that and they're like, oh shit, dude, let's go, man. Like, it's just, 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 Henry's gone, hell yeah, brother. Like, and then, uh, and then also Dana White probably got pissed off because he brought him back to fight Aljo and then he lost, you know? So, uh, <laughs> the only guy who he hates more, you know? So, um, <laughs> anyways, man. Yeah, just, just crazy. But, um, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Cejudo is probably gonna go into retirement. He did not announce it, but Dana, Whenever he was asked, you know, 
on uh, why he didn't give Cejudo the mic to retire. He's like, he already fucking retired, you know? Like, he got his chance. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, all right. I mean, it's, it's true. He wanted to give Marab his moment, you know? Made sense. Yeah. It did make sense. So good for Marab. We'll see what happens with Cejudo. I could see him coming back for big fights. I mean, I, I don't take his word for basically anything at this point. Uh, but anyways, man, um, opening up the main card. This one obviously wasn't as high profile. A lot of the other fights, but still a very entertaining one nonetheless. In the end, it's Fluffy Hernandez submitting Roman Kapilov in the second round to get the win. Um, for him, for Fluffy, man, that is win number five in a row. Four of those coming by way of finish. What did you make of his win on Saturday? No, I mean, good. I Look, I, I was high on Roman Kapilov. I still am. I mean, so I think, to be honest, I think Kapilov good, looked good the whole way up until the finish, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't, I don't think he looked bad at all. I mean, obviously, he ended up being submitted in the end, but, uh, you know, outside of, you know, once they hit the ground and the submission came in, I mean, so be it. I thought the feet, he looked great, as he always does. Um, definitely could tell Fluffy had some, some trouble there, but the thing about Fluffy is he, yeah, that man has a fucking, uh, gas tank on him, man, and he, and his grappling game is, is good, as we've seen. Uh, I, I, I still do wonder, man, and it might just be the delay to the party. I mean, how is he going to be against these, you know, upper echelon 185ers? You know, I, I do think once the combination starts getting harder, it, I, I just don't know how long this Fluffy Hernandez era is going to go. I, I, and it's no hate to him, it's just, haven't been sold on it just yet, man. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be weary, you know, because uh, I thought Coppola was going to be that guy to get him out of there. Uh, but it didn't end up going that way. So good for, good for Fluffy, man. That, that was a good win. And I think he, you know, on top of that, you know, to give him his praise, I think he is very deserving of a ranked opponent. Get this man a ranked opponent. Because he was supposed to fight, was it Ikram? Ikram Alaskarov, yep. Which was going to be an insanely hard fight. Uh, mm-hmm. and you, and, you know, Akram would have gotten into the rankings if he would have won that. So you can kind of see the direction they were trying to go there. But nevertheless, though, I do want to see Fluffy get, get that push, uh, in this 185 division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, he deserves it. And I will also say, you mentioned how Roman Kabilov looked really good, uh, until the finish. Uh, to be fair, though, that's kind of everybody against <laughs> Fluffy Hernandez <laughs> at the start, man. It seems like everybody. Has a little bit of success against Fluffy Man, but that's the thing. Like you mentioned, his his gassing and his grappling are just so fucking good. He closed the distance fast, man. And the next thing you know, you're getting fucking strangled in the second round. Um, yeah, man, just just a banger. In terms of the rest of the card, prelims had a couple of big fights, man. Uh, which ones you want to go over? I mean, do you want to talk about Amanda Lemos versus uh, Mackenzie Dern, Josh? Yeah, Mackenzie we can. Dern, Mackenzie Dern celebrating her loss. Yeah, I, you know... I don't know how she heard her name, but <laughs> happened that happened, third loss in the last war for her, man. What'd you make of it? Tough, man, tough. I mean, I'll give it to Mackenzie. She is one tough chick. But when she got dropped like that and covered her face like she was a child, I was definitely like, that does not look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, she got dropped brutally. And what I will say is Mackenzie Dern is one of the toughest women in MMA, dog. Like, she is so fucking tough. Um, and I know some people, you know, they gave her the win. Um, yeah, let's not. I, uh, I didn't. Let's I not didn't. lie to ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, round one and round three were pretty close. You know, I mean, I wouldn't. I but wouldn't look, have an issue with it. You know, but there is some moments where you're like, you kind of like, I can't do it though. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This is one of those. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So I mean, it is what it is, but um. 
Yeah, man, I, I would I would not have been surprised how they would have given her the win, but I mean, it it sucks for Dern, man. Stepped in on short notice and got really damn close, but still came up short. Um, in regards to the rest of the prelims, man, I mean, Marcos Rogero de Lima defeating Justin Ta- Justin, oh my God, Junior Taffa, who stepped in for his brother Justin Taffa. DTF Fighter of the Week. DTF Fighter of the Week. Yep, Junior Taffa is our DTF Fighter of the Week, man. Stepping in on one day's notice to fight for his brother. And, look, he got his ass kicked. But, I mean, he stood in there. He traded some bombs. He threw – he he good as – he, you know, he had some moments, man. I mean, he's a dog. And it's so funny, too, because, I mean, you see fighters like this all the time. They're like, somebody will drop drop out on, like, a day's notice, and they're like, yeah, man, let me in there. No, and damn well, they can't fight, you know, and they're not going to, you know. Like, I'm 3,000 miles away, fucking – but yeah, yeah dude, dude I'll hop on a plane right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm in I'm in Rio right now, down in Brazil. I can definitely yeah, you, make it and cut weight. You see that every single time somebody misses weight or somebody falls out of a fight on a day's notice. Junior Taffa is actually about that fucking life, dude. Like he's actually about about it. So, um, he's our DTF fighter of the week, 100. percent But anyways, man, I mean, uh, Rinian knocking word defeating uh, defeating Carlos Vieira came in off uh, Ultimate Fighter. Suck to see. Um, I gotta give. Credit where it's due. Zhang Minyang knocked out Brinson Ribeiro, calls out Alex Bahia. For what, a, what a dog. Yeah, for, for a UFC title shot, man. Uh, not to be honest, though, he had a crazy finish, though, so credit to him. Yeah, good for him, man. I loved hey, You know what? Shoot your shot, man. Fuck it. Alex Bahia wasn't doing anything at the moment, you know? Right. So uh, that was cool, man. Um, I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're using all these uh, MMA fighter, you know, creates, you know, to fucking, yeah. <laughs> all these fight nights. I mean, it's, it's not unlikely, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you know, man, oh, by the way, Josh, yeah. this weekend, you know, uh, real quick, I know this is random right now and it's completely off topic, but, uh, you know, Ilya Tapura isn't the only person who got crowned this weekend. I became champion in my undisputed career. I won the national title, uh, in a very, uh, hard fought fight at heavyweight. I got dropped in the third round, had to come back. I made it to the eight count. Caught back on my feet and I outboxed the fuck out of this guy. They had a rematch clause, came back, beat the shit out of him this time, didn't get dropped, won every single round. Just wanted to put that out Damn. there. Damn. It got my first finish this morning, too. What a guy. Yep, got my first knockout, beat the shit out of this guy. <laughs> and, my, and my first title defense. What a guy, dude. What a guy. It's a good feeling. Um... Just to kind of close out, man. I mean, what are you, any any closing thoughts on this card, man? Used two ninety eight. It was a good one. I think it was all right. It was good. It was fun. It had some energy to it. I was excited for it. Um, I, I still it still hasn't hit me right in the spot. Yeah, I think two ninety eight and three hundred are gonna or two ninety nine and three hundred gonna be those for me. But this is certainly you know obviously we've only had two pay per views so far. This is definitely number one uh, so mm-hmm. far. And I mean it's gonna change obviously, but uh, it was fun. It was very fun. I, I had a good time. Yeah, uh, I will. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to have you over for the next one. I know you had some some personal plans come up, yeah. but uh, and by the way, we already have the next pay per view bought. So. Oh well, do, I mean, let's just go ahead and call a spade a spade. UC two ninety nine is going to hit like crack. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, fuck, dude. I mean, it, I I feel comfortable saying now that officially UC three hundred is official. Way more excited for two ninety nine. Not even going to lie. I mean, I mean, they're both great. I mean, I, honestly, yeah. they're going to. I think they're going to go hand in hand. I think it's just going to be dependent on how the fights and the fight results end up going. 
I get you. I get you. I hear you. I completely disagree. I mean, I just, I don't even think it's going to be close. Just stylistically. Because it's not even just like the names involved. Stylistically. I mean, fucking O'Malley Vera, Poirier St. Denis, Kevin Holland versus the debuting Michael Page, Gilbert Burns, Jack De La Maddalena, Piotr Jan, Song Yudong, Curtis Blades, Jelton Almeida, Macy Barber's on it. They got Gamrot, Rafael Dos Anjos, Michael, Michelle Pahea, Michael Oliolshuk. We got the, the debut of the fucking 6'8 monster, Robles the Devil's Pignet. You know, like fucking Jesus Christ. So, I mean, uh, I mean, it's good, Josh, but I mean, I know three, we got to let it play out. You know, three three hundred just. Mm. I know, man. I know. Mm. I hear you. Dog. By the way, they should have put MVP on three hundred. I think that was kind of an L on their part. I think that was one of their biggest misses, to be quite honest with you. I mean, yeah. Like, what even does it like? Do you need MVP on two ninety nine? No, man. Like, you really don't. So could have put him on three hundred with Kevin Holland. Yeah, and it would have made so much. I, I would. I mean, fuck. Dana said they have one more fight to announce for three hundred. I don't even know what it's going to be, but it's I feel not like it's, I don't feel like it's going to be anything big. But I, I could be absolutely wrong. I mean, the only thing they could do, Josh, that I think would be great, and it's something I saw on Twitter, and it's something that I, I mean, we've been campaigning for. But I think it would make if you're going to make. I feel like it would also make sense in a Apex event. Is Kai Kara France versus Manel Cape? Hmm. Yeah, I like that one. I like that fight a lot. Um, I know that whenever they tried to book it last time, um, Kai Kara ended up rejecting it, apparently. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, and Manel K missed weight for his last fight, so he even knows if he's even, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I uh, fly weight anymore. So we'll see. We'll see. But um, anyways, man, I think we should go ahead and move on because we do have a lot of stuff to preview, actually, for this weekend. Uh, first starting off with UFC Mexico City, uh, going down in Mexico this Saturday night in the main event. This is a flyweight title eliminator. The winner will more than likely be facing Alexander Pantoja in, in Brazil at UFC 301. And both well, the, of these guys. You think yeah. if Ravel won, they give Ravel the rematch? They've already said it's a, uh, a title eliminator, yeah. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with it, but I mean, I don't think either one of these guys should be, should be in the conversation because they're both, you know, but we'll, we'll break into it. We'll break into it. So Brandon Moreno, we know the story here, former two-time UFC flyweight champion, uh, has only fought in UFC title fights since November of 2020, when funnily enough, he fought Brandon Royval last time uh, <laughs> in, uh, in the UFC Apex, UFC 255 during COVID. That was a banger of a fight that got stopped in the first round. Um, because Brandon Royval had a, I believe, like an injury. Um, shoulder injury. Yep. Shoulder injury, excuse me. Uh, but since then, dude, we know the story. Brandon Moreno fought Figueroa multiple times, fought Kaikara France, and then lost the title to Alexander Pantoja, his third loss to Alexander Pantoja uh, last July. Uh, with a win, he can get a fourth crack at him, which it would be crazy for him to be a part of not one but two UC quadrilogies. But uh, going to be taking on Brandon Royval once again. Another guy coming off a loss to Alexander Pantoja. Not only that, has two losses to Alexander Pantoja. Uh, last time out, you know, he did show improvement in his second fight with him last December. Uh, still suffered a decision loss. Ended up losing on the cards. Um, what do you make of this fight, man? I mean, on paper, it's an excellent one. Like I said, I very much disagree with the fact that the winner of this is going to end up fighting Alexander Pantoja, but I, I, I get that I'm not really in control of that, that sort of thing. I mean, you got to blame Amir Bazi for falling out. I don't know what happened with Al Bazi. Al Bazi was going to be in this fight with Moreno. 
You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, and it also doesn't help that, like, they've had multiple other fights. Like, Manel Kate falling out of his fight, you know what I mean, with, with I believe, Nicolau. Like, they've had a lot of a lot of other shit happen, too, so I get it. But uh, yeah. what do you make of this fight, man? I mean, it's going to be a banger. There's no doubt about it. I think probably, Josh, I could see more than half these fights on this card going to, you know, being a finish. I mean, that's that's kind of kind of the fighters you have on here, the kind of talent you have on here. And also, you know, they got that Mexican fighting spirit, baby. You know how they mm-hmm. – uh, <laughs> that is totally a bit from an ad that I can't think of right now. <laughs> but, uh, look, this fight is not going to disappoint. I will be shocked if this fight ends up being bad in, in, in any capacity. Ravel is wild, fun. He's tall for the division. He is, uh, good, you know, he's capable of striking on the feet, good on the ground. Same with Moreno, obviously former champ, two time champ. Uh, he's already beaten him before. Obviously, there is, you know, a caveat to that. They'd have the entry. But look, for me, I, th- I think Moreno gets it done again, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um, I'm on the same page with you. I think we're going to be looking at Brandon Moreno versus Alexander Pantoja for after this weekend. Um, I think I think Brandon Roy Val, I think he's going to have moments in this fight. I think he's going to bring the fight to him. But look, man, he's coming in here on short notice. He just fought in December. Uh, he's He's got his back going uh, up against the wall in this one, man. I, I think he's – I'm going to go ahead and call for uh, – Brandon Moreno to get the win. Um, just stylistically, even in that first fight, I went back and rewatched that first fight like yesterday to try and you know prep for this week's show. And like, it is true um, that the fight was stopped due to an injury. And Brandon Royval had his moments, but you could just kind of tell that Brandon Roy was kind of a step ahead of him, even even prior to the injury. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take the the assassin baby to get the win. Um, I got to ask, by the way, somewhat off topic. Did you see that they made it? Do you remember those? This these this is a Hold on, let me just rephrase it. Fucked up. Do you remember the This Is Sports Center commercials like way back in the day? Like they would have like, I don't know, like they maybe, would have. Yeah. Maybe if I saw it, but I don't think I don't believe so. Okay, so they were like they were like ESPN like commercials where they'd be like This Is Sports Center, and it'd be like a football player like tackling somebody in the office. You know what I mean? Shit like that. Oh, they gave back in the day, maybe yeah. Well, they haven't done those in forever, but they did one for Brandon Moreno. They had uh, him in the in the elevator, like shadow boxing, and then him getting out on like a floor and just like an ESPN person like standing behind him, just like holding their coffee. Like, I'm happy. I'm, they're giving him the push, dude. Like, I'm really happy for him, man. Um, he's <laughs> so fucking entertaining. And uh, look, like I said, I, I think nightmare scenario. I mean, this is a nightmare scenario for either one, promotionally speaking. Uh, in terms of the UC, but hey, man, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, you know, both these guys fight, you know, Pantoja for either the fourth or the third time, so um, we'll see. I will say I'm personally more excited for the co-main event because uh, I feel like, man, I, we really didn't get to see enough of Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. Uh, these two fought, obviously, July 2022, uh, a couple minutes in, four uh, eleven of the first round. Brian suffers a shoulder injury, has not fought since. And uh, they're going to come back fighting the co-main event for this one, man. Who do you got? I got Yair Rodriguez in this one. I mean, I, I felt like in the first fight, Yair was going to win anyways. I thought uh, Yair's obviously over time improved his ground game on the feet, obviously creative and a menace. Um, I think, he could, you know, just like Brian Ortega's creative on the ground, I think uh, the equivalent is for Yair on the feet. And, uh, I mean, he's one of the most exciting strikers did um, uh, in the whole, in the whole uh, promotion. Um, I mean, and on top of that, Brian's been remembered from action. Yair hasn't, you know, didn't compete that long ago. Obviously, he did have the loss to Volk, but he also did have that, I mean, amazing victory over, uh, 
Josh Emmett. Mm. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. I'm going to go and take Yair too, man. In the, in the brief time um, that we got to see him fight Brian, it looked like Yair was a step ahead. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go and take him to get the win. And Yair, I mean, he took, he lost the Volk, but he didn't look too bad until the finish. I mean, he looked so good against Joshua and beat the piss out of him. So I'm going to go and take Yair to get the win. Uh, in regards to the rest of this UC Mexico City card, man, which fights are you most excited about? I mean, there's so many. There's so many, man. There's so many guys on here that are so talented, so many young people, so many new faces have come in in recent time. Uh, but, you know, we got to talk about these two. I mean, these, these, I'm going to mention two young fighters, but we're going to start with this one. I mean, Josh, the youngest fighter in UFC history, <laughs> or youngest fighter gets signed. You see, Raul Russell Jr., man, back again on a main card, not a pay-per-view this time, down in Mexico against Ricky Tercios. I'd, I'd say it's a hard fight, so man. I mean, he his his last fight, he got a you know a good finish after suffering a a pretty uh, I mean, it was a tough loss, but it, it went the distance. He had trouble. He gassed. He he recognized there were some mistakes in that. Um, like with him, man. I mean, every fight is just going to be we're going to have that curiosity. You know, what's going to be the next improvement? Is he going to be able to live up to the pressure in these high level fights and and show up to the moment? You know, because he's still 19 years old, but he doesn't turn 20 until later this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just so fucking surreal to think about the fact that Raul Rosas Jr. got signed at 17. Like, I understand you could definitely argue that it was too soon, and probably was too soon. I mean, if you just based off of uh, the one time he did get tested, and I think that was such a such a great thing, honestly, that he did lose. Like, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but man, he before he lost to Christian Rodriguez uh, last April. He was talking a lot and not really – I don't have a problem with the talking, but it was him going back with Aljo saying, like, oh, yeah, I beat his ass and, and sparring and, and stuff like that. And I was like, man, just kids talking a lot, man. Like, so um, I'm happy that uh, he kind of took a step back and afterwards it kind of like – I don't want to say he, like, realized that he needed to, like, chill out, but I, I, it seems like that's kind of what he did, man. I haven't heard as much. He's been more quiet. Um, and I like that sort of thing, man. 19 years old. Faking, facing Ricky Tercios, who, you know, he's had some up and downs in his own right. You know, pretty Ricky, you know, from, uh, from tough, man. Like he's had, uh, he's had his own up and down. So I'm very excited to see this fight. That's a great matchup for both of those guys, man. Even beyond the fact Raul is obviously 19, um, super young dude, but Ricky's not, I mean, he's still young in his UFC run too. He's still relatively unproven. So I think he's in his late twenties himself. So should be interesting, man. Um, very excited for that fight. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of young guys on this card, like even beyond Raul. This is a mostly, a mostly prospect card, I would say. Like mostly prospects. Um, which I'm cool with, man, cause, cause the top fights are so good. You know what I mean? So, um, in terms of the rest of the card, man, I'm very excited for the return of Yasmin Yagway. Uh, 10 and 1 coming off a loss to Denise Gomez in July. That was the first loss of her career, but another, another person, only 24 years old. Very young. Going to face Sam Hughes. Excited for that one. Um, in terms of the other, some other fights, which ones do you want to go and uh, preview before we go and move on? Uh, Daniel Zellhuber, man. We saw him here last time out in Kansas City when he faced uh, – well, we personally saw him when he fought Atlanta Venata, but he did fight Chris Chicago since then uh, later in that uh, later last year, getting up an Anaconda finish. He did have uh, some trouble in that fight, but ended up getting it done. And he's also facing another young guy in Francisco Prado, Argentinian guy that I was very interested in when he got signed because – He's 21. I think he was like 20 when he got signed, coming out of the goat shed. Uh, a guy that I have a, a lot of interest in as well. I mean, these are just two young dogs that are going to be going at it on a main card and, and a big event at that. 
first time back in Mexico, so you know the crowd's going to be crazy. He's going to get rowdy. And uh, they pretty much got a Mexican across uh, across from the from the opposition in every fight. If not, they at least got some uh, Latin Am res- representation on the card. Mm. Yep. Yeah, man. So, and one guy I want to go ahead and highlight, man. Um, I am fucking psyched uh, for the return of Felipe Dos Santos, man. I mean, of all the guys on this card, I might be most excited to see him, man. 23 years young. Obviously, we saw him fight Manel Cape last September. He was 293, and he gave him hell for 15 minutes. Like, I understand he didn't he didn't get the win, and you know, but he showed a fucking crazy chin. You know, insane pressure, and he's coming in on short notice too. Like. Big fan of Felipe Dos Santos. Excited to see him back against Victor Alterimino. Victor Alterimino. Um, other guys coming back. Claudio Puelles, who for a cup for a minute there just couldn't stop hitting knee bars. Kind of, kind of got uh, fraud checked a bit by Dan Hooker. I thought uh, in November of 2022 when Dan just kind of beat him up, man, uh, when he couldn't get down to the mat. Um, so that was a tough loss for him. He's been out of action since then, though. Over a year and a half later, to come back. To face uh, Fair Zayim, another young guy, 26 years young, win two in a row last beat Jai Herbert last July. Uh, should be a fun fight, man. Overall, what would you give this UC uh, Mexico card out on? On a scale of 1 to 10, Angel. Eight and a half, man. It's damn near pushing a nine for me. I just Because I just know what all these guys are capable of in gals. I mean, they're all capable yeah. of finishing the fight. I tell you, I, I, I don't know if I said it on air or on off air, but I see potentially more than half these fights being a finish. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, dude. And and the fact they have all these young guys, man, and and also just like, you know that Mexican crowd's gonna be fucking rocking, dude. Like on Saturday night, man. Like in the building, uh, you know, like some you and I talked about this a bit, like off air. Like there are just certain things that you and I would like want to be in attendance. It's like on the bucket list. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I don't like. I feel I feel like this is one of those nights that like man I would love to just be on press row for this shit you know what I mean I mean their first time back in the UFC since uh, 2019 and that was that crazy card um no like first time back in Mexico City since 2019 where they had that crazy card where Yair and Jeremy C was in the eye poke and they just went fucking crazy you know like um it should it should be a fun night man it should be a fun night. Um, but, you know, it's kind of funny because the aura in the Mexican crowd is going to be crazy. Uh, PFL versus Bellator is going down this Saturday night, and they're going to be taking place in Saudi Arabia, which has the aura of a fucking DMV um, when it comes <laughs> to the fights. So, But, you know, I will say I am It can still be hype. It can still be hype. You never know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Maybe. Maybe they can surprise me for this time after all, seeing all the boxing events. Maybe they'll have a different crowd. You know, maybe they'll have a different crowd. Maybe the just the boxing crowds have just sucked. Um, but regardless, man. Like I said, PLO versus Bellator going down this Saturday, uh, I want to say evening, you know? I think it's gonna, the card's going to be starting at like 2 or 3 in the afternoon um, from from Riyadh. Uh, look, man, you and I have talked about this card a fair bit. Uh, it's an excellent one uh, going down on pay-per-view. Is it worth pay-per-view? Uh, de- debatable for a lot of people. I'm very interested to see how the numbers do and, and how the hype goes for this card. It's only two, it's only Wednesday, but I haven't seen a lot of buzz about it. Um, regardless, though. Um, Wait, you said the card's on a Wednesday? No, no, I'm saying, like, it's only Wednesday. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. But I haven't seen a lot of buzz for it as of now. So we'll see how it goes throughout the week. But in terms of the card, man, hitting off of the main event, 
Henan Ferreira taking on Ryan Bader. Problema, 6'8", 260, just a fucking monster. Has not lost in two years. Currently riding a four-fight on beat streak. Last defeated Dennis Koltov in November by knockout. Actually won the, the 2023 uh, PFL series, a tournament, with all knockouts, man. Three straight, taking on Ryan Bader, who, Darth Bader, we know the story. Unbeaten at heavyweight, period. Well, he had, he's had some losses sandwiched in. Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov, up at heavyweight, he's still unbeaten. And the resume is excellent. Fedor Milianenko twice. King Mo. Matt Mitrione, Czech Congo, Valtim Moldovsky, just some dogs on the resume, man. Um, what do you make of this fight? Uh, it, I'm actually legitimately very excited for this one. I think it's a good fight for, for Bader. At least, you know, get his feet went into the PFL and kind of this new promotion now. That they're going to be PFL X Bellator or PFL Bellator, whatever the fuck they are. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, uh, headed for him is, is a, a tough guy. Has power, has has capabilities on the ground. It's certainly not an easy fight for Bader. I mean, I don't think uh, either one of these guys is going to get ran over. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I think just based, just to kind of give a quick prediction, I, I don't think we should get, we can get predictions for as many fights as you want. Um, but I will say we, we should probably give a prediction for this one. I'm going to go ahead and take Ryan Bader, man. I think the, the few times we've seen Henry Ferreira on the mat, he's great on the mat, but he just seemed like whenever he's put on the bottom, he faces an actual wrestler, he seems to struggle a bit. And I also just think Ryan Bader, man, like the guy has looked so good at heavyweight. I mean, he really, I don't even know why he fucked around back in like, I think 2020 and went back down to light heavyweight. Um, I didn't particularly understand the decision. He just drained himself and, and struggled a lot, man. Even against like Leota Machida, he wasn't, he wasn't himself, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and take Bader to get the win, man. What do you think? No, I'm in the same boat. No. Fair enough, man. Um, co-main events. Another excellent fight. Um, Impa Kasinge taking on Johnny Evelyn. Impa Kasinge was one of those guys that left, the, not left, got cut from the UC that I didn't necessarily agree with. He was 2-2, two and two, lost to Carlson Harris, lost to Joaquin Yo- uh, Buckley. No shame in that. Um, but since then, man, rebound. Just six wins in a row. Five of those wins came inside the PFL, won the light heavyweight tournament with some excellent performances. Now he's back at middleweight, taking on Johnny Eblen. The human cheat code might be the greatest fighter outside of the UFC today. Won the middleweight title from Gegard Mousasi with an excellent performance back in June of 2022. Won two straight since then, including knocking out Fabian Edwards in Ireland in a spectacular performance last fall. Um, what do you make of this fight, man? It should be an excellent one. I mean, uh, look, I, I think it, I'm, I'm not particularly excited about this just because Impa, you know, he won the tournament at 205, not 185. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be making his return to 185 now, post-UFC uh, career. So I'm curious to see if he's able to replicate some of the stuff he's done after and what he's done at 205 now at 185 now against Johnny Evelyn. But, I mean, a lot of people say Johnny Evelyn might be the best 185 on the planet. So he's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, I agree with you. For that reason, I am going to go ahead and take uh, Johnny Evelyn to get the win. Um, Impa, man, I like the guy a lot. I'm sure he'll have some moments on the feet in this one, but he is clearly outgunned um, heading into this matchup. Uh, that being said, I am excited for it. Now, I know you're in agreement with, with taking Johnny Evelyn. I don't even need to ask that one. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Nonetheless, man, uh, next up on the main card, this is a short notice fight, actually. Uh, Patricio Pitbull. Uh, for a long time, you know, we talked about Grace Guys outside the UFC. For a long time, he was at the top of that conversation. Coming in here in kind of a must-win situation, though. He's lost two in a row. Granted, neither one was at featherweight, but still. He got knocked out by Shishiru Suzuki when he stepped in on short notice at Super Ryzen 2 last July. Prior to that, 
He lost to Sergio Pettis, got dominated in a fight down at Bantamweight. Um, so he's back here taking on short notice replacement Gabriel Braga. Gabriel Braga stepping in for Jesus Pinedo. Um, Gabriel Braga 12-1 in his career, man. Only loss was the aforementioned Jesus Pinedo last year where he came up short in the, for the million dollars. Um, he was really supposed to face uh, Aaron Pico on this card, but so he, he's not coming in here out of shape. But still, it's a big uh, style difference, I would say. Uh, what do you make of this featherweight fight? I mean, looking to be tough. I mean, Pitbull hasn't seen victory here now in over a year. Uh, or coming in on a year now uh, since the Pettis loss. Uh, he's 36 now. He seems to be the shorter guy in there, which, I mean, pretty much all his career has always been like that. But he's taking on a young, 25-year-old, hungry guy. I will say I was significantly more interested in Pinedo because Pinedo has a matchup. But I still think that uh, Gabriel Alves Braga could present a lot of trouble. Uh, and I'm curious to see how much people still has left in the tank, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's honestly what it comes down to for me. I think if he's even some, I, it's really hard to tell where Pitbull's at in his career because of the fact that he hasn't fought up at featherweight. You know, he had the he had the lightweight fight and he also had the bantamweight fight, so we haven't really seen his his uh his style but um uh, not style but like how kind of where he is at this point in his career. Um I think if he's if he's a fraction of what he used to be, he'll win here. And in fact I am gonna pick him to get the win. Um but Gabriel Brock could actually absolutely catch him. Uh who 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 are you picking in this one? I'm gonna go Pitbull. I think I think he'd be able to get it done. Mm-hmm. Fair enough man. Uh should be an interesting fight. And this is actually the last fight on the card involving a current champion. Um, so we have Jason, the ass kicking machine, Jackson, the greatest nickname in mixed martial arts, uh, coming in here on a seven fight win streak, took him forever. He had to grind for four years to get the title shot. Finally got it against Yaroslav, Yaroslav Amosov, and he made the fucking most of it. Knocked him out in Chicago last year. Uh, he was originally supposed to fight Magomed. Magomed Karimov uh, in this bout. And instead, he's been facing Ray Cooper III, who, if you're going to get a replacement, this is about as good as it gets, man. I mean, Ray mm-hmm. Cooper coming off a loss of the middleweights or Derek Brunson. But even then, we know the story here. Knocked out Magomed, knocked out Magomed, Magomed Karimov himself back in October of 2021, a former two-time welterweight tournament winner. This one's going to be going down to 182 catch weight. What do you make of this one? Uh, it's definitely going to be exciting. I mean, Ray Cooper brings an exciting style. Obviously, Jason Jackson as well. These guys are going to give us a war. Uh, my big thing is it's just that Ray Cooper up a weight class. Is, I just don't think he's the, the same fighter or, not, or his, you know, just all – just him fighting up a weight class just hasn't seemed to work. So I, I think that's where the trouble is going to come in. I think Jason Jackson should have this in the bag. Mm-hmm. Same here, man. Same here. Um Gonna go ahead and take uh, Jason Jackson for the win, man. But stylistically, man, this might be one of the better fights on the card. It oh yeah, it's a, it, it's up there. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, granted, it's a fight we're gonna talk about in a minute that is significantly better, but you know we'll hit it. Uh, in terms of the rest of the card, um, you know, there's some other banger matchups. We got Bruno Capelos taking on Vadim Nemkov, who vacated the light heavyweight title to move up to heavyweight for this one. Um, and that's going to be where he's going to be campaigning moving forward. Tiago Santos, the old Romero, the battle of the old fucks. Uh, we got <laughs> Tiago. Two, two 40-year-olds, man. Yeah, Tiago, 40 years old, taking on Yoel, who is 46. Um, and they both, they're, it's interesting because they both, they're both, while well, they have that age, they're very similar in terms of fight style, too. Like, they can do explosive, like, they'll be very explosive whenever they do throw, but they're both super inactive, too. So it's like, 
it's kind of weird, man. Um, that one should be a fun one. I mentioned a minute ago that there's a clear fight of the night uh, for this for this event. Uh, it's going to end up being Clay Collard versus AJ McKee. We can just hand it out now. Um, what, what do you make of that fight, man? That one is going to be so fucking good. I'm just curious to see how it's on the feet, man. I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of trouble Clay gives uh, AJ and uh, what kind of trouble AJ could create for Clay and if the fight ends up going to the ground or if it's be just a, a primarily stand-up uh, matchup. Mm-hmm. 100%, man. 100%. It's going to be interesting to see how they do on the feet. Because AJ McKee, he's no, no slouch, but, uh, yeah, man. I mean, few are better than Clay Collard, man. And, uh. Clay Collard, a dog, bro. He's a dog, man. He's gotten so close on, on two or three occasions now to winning it all in one of these lightweight tournaments, but he came up short. Came up short to Rush Montfio, came up short against Olivia Albon Mercier. Uh, so it sucks to see, man, but dude, just, if there's a guy who, like, came to the PFL and just put on fight after fight, just banger after banger, it's him, man. Nobody's done it better. So, very excited to see it, man. Um, you know, in terms of the undercard, I mean, we've got Aaron Pico, Henry Corrales, uh, the debut of Biagio Ali Walsh, who was just knocked out. Pro yeah. debut, because he, he's Pro, fought amateur yeah. on these PFL cards. Excuse me, right. Pro debut. Pro debut. Uh, he's knocked out some cans on the, <laughs> as an amateur. Um just bludgeoned a few dudes. So that should be fun. And then uh, Clarissa Shields is back. Uh, the quote from boxing. You know, we know the story there. Beating, beating a lot of dogs, man. She, she's uh, an all-time great, at least in terms of women's boxing. But as an MMA fighter, she was 1-1. One one. Uh, back taking on Kelsey DeSantis, who I believe has a 1-2 record. So um, Yeah, this was a bit random one for Clarissa, right? Because we kind of didn't know it was going to happen. It just kind of got announced, and here we are. You know? Yep. Yeah, one hundred percent, dude. Kind of a kind of a weird one, but like, it makes sense. I mean, they couldn't get, they couldn't. I say they couldn't get for whatever reason they didn't book uh, Chris Cyborg on this one. They couldn't book Ngannou, obviously. They couldn't book a lot of these other bigger draws that they do have on their roster. So it's like, you can't do you know this guy. You can't do Jay Paul. You can't do this. You might as well add somebody like Clarissa Shields, right? So, um, it, it makes sense at that point of view. But still, they kind of come out of nowhere, so we'll we'll see, man. We'll see. Um, yeah, man. And, and you know, that's kind of all I got for this one. Any closing thoughts? What would you, what would you give this out of ten, Angel? Oh, I think it's a solid uh, seven. Seven could be pushing an eight. I mean, it's a stacked card, man. For PFL and Bellator, it's pretty stacked. I mean, if, I mean, if we're writing it on that scale, I'd say it's probably a ten. Let's be honest, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the best guy you can get across both promotions, literally fighting each other. When we have champ versus champ matchups, I mean, it's, it'd be a 10. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I feel, too. I mean, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I'm going to go I'm gonna go IGN score 7.2 out of 10. Uh, it's, a, it's a good card, man. It's a good card. Um, pay-per-view worthy, we'll see how it does. You know, that's the way I feel like. I think if we're just going on the fights themselves, yeah, probably. How well do I think they'll do? No idea. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see, man. But just kind of, just kind of move on, man. Uh, we got some news to go ahead and close out the pod, and we got a fair bit of it. And the number one thing coming out of this week, though, the, the the number or coming out of last week, I guess, I guess I should say, the thing that everybody wanted to know is what is UFC 300? What is the main event? What's it gonna be? Well, we now have some clarity. The UFC 300 main event will be Alex. Poetan Pahea taking on the former champion Jamal Hill. Uh, we knew that Pahea was in the running for this for a long time. 
Um, we thought maybe he was going to move up and fix Tom Aswell. Tom Aswell revealed that, you know, Paya had did not – he was interested in moving up to heavyweight at the moment, so that was not going to happen. In the end, he's going to defend the gold against the man who never lost the belt. So, Angel, what do you, what do you make of it, man? Are you cool with his announcement? What do, what do you think? I don't got the biggest issue with it, but it is definitely a little disappointing, right? I was dead set that these two weren't going to fight because I thought they were going to headline UFC 301, which was going to be in Brazil, which made a lot of sense. I'm assuming that was probably the UFC's original plan, but then they realized, fuck, we got no main event right now for 300. Let's just let's do this. And Payne is, is a star, man. He does have attention. He has fans. I, I actually, It's not a bad choice. Uh, was it UFC 300? Mm, debatable, right? But I'm still going to watch it. I'm still down for it. I will say the fact that they didn't make a big promo for all of this and granted the fight just got made not that long ago is so disappointing to us because you can't tell me they could have done like – they could have been at UFC 298 and then all of a sudden right before the main event, you know, they have like a little announcement. Boom, yeah. it goes dark. A video starts playing on the screen and all you hear is like drumming music, like some some tribal music. Oh. And it's like do, 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 do. And then, and then you, see, you see a back turn behind you. You see, you see someone's back. He, it looks like Alex Bahia's. And it's Alex Bahia. He turns around with the head, the headpiece, you know, the headdress. Uh. And, and then you see him pull back an arrow. And you see him pull out the arrow and he screams. And then you see it flying into the woods and it's snowy and it hits the tree and the person, and there's another figure there. They turn around. They're in a jacket. It is Jamal Hill, UFC 300 main event. You could have told me that could have been, you know, the, the fact that they didn't do anything like that is just disappointing to me, Josh. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the problem. I mean, you love, kind of, by the way, don't you love that beautiful image I just came up with? Well, I I agree. That's actually so much better than what I was gonna say. Like I was gonna say that like they could have announced it in a cool way. Like my suggestion was gonna be showing like they could have made a package showing Jamal Hill beating the shit out of Glover Teixeira, and then they could have had that moment from in the corner where whenever like Jamal and, and we could have had that. Could have had that all in the promo too. Yeah, because they were both sizing each other up. Because both those dudes knew that, like, hey, this might very, happen. There's a very good possibility down the line. You and I are going to be fighting. Look, I think the buildup will be good. These guys got beef. I think now that we're talking about him, being a little hard thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> so I think there is potential here, man. It's th- there's still something here. We should not be disappointed because 300 is fucking stacked, and there's you can't you can't deny. It. Yeah, you know, I I actually so here's the thing, right? You mentioned. Like, 301, so according to what I've read, multiple reports, this fight was the fight for 301. That was 100% set in stone. That's why um, I never thought about it. Yeah, but because of the fact that they didn't have anybody else, they could not, they didn't want to do Leon versus Bilal, and they couldn't get anybody else to fight Leon. They tried to They tried to make, you know, Aspinall against a couple other guys that didn't end up happening. Uh, they, they offered John it, they offered Stipe it, they offered... Tom it, they offered. I mean, we we can go run down the fucking list, right? But and in the same time, like, look, they are robbing Peter to pay Paul. I mean, they are taking out, <laughs> taking away an excellent main event from Brazil, and now they're gonna have to figure out what they want to do for Brazil. Um, although I think they have an easy fix there, especially if uh, you know, not to kind of not to kind of jump forward a little bit. Um, but obviously, we have UC two ninety nine going down next month. Let's let's just say let's just and currently it'd be a, it'd be a fast turnaround. But like shit, dude. I mean, if Jailton Almeida wins against Curtis Blades, you run Almeida versus Aspinall in Brazil. Like that'd be interesting. But yeah. um, they're probably gonna yeah, do I mean, Pantoja versus Moreno slash Royval. 
Yeah, and then yeah, we'll just we'll have to wait and see. But they are kind of raw if you were to pay Paul. But look, I don't have that big of an issue with this. I mean, I understand a lot of people do, but like, guys, you got to think about this logistically. Pobaton might be the biggest UFC star right now. Him and Illy, right? They got the most uh, pull right now, at least, right? Like they got attention behind them. I don't even think Illy is. I don't even think Ilya did. I think it's straight up just Poetan. Like I think I think he's the number one guy. Like obviously, obviously, if Connor came back and started fighting, like he'd be number one. But like in terms of active guys, like if you're not talking the guys who fight once every five years, like Nate Diaz or Connor or whatever, then yeah, like it's it's absolutely Poetan in terms of sure. active fighters. Yeah. So. um and that's just based off of like the fact that like he's everywhere right now, man. You see the, the you see the way fans react to him whenever he steps in the building, man. Like he's such a big fucking star. So I think that um yeah, I can't, I get I get why people are mad. I understand it, and I fully agree. I think Dana and them they really fucked it up. I mean, for those of you guys that weren't around for like UC two hundred, like I wasn't around for UC one hundred. I'll admit it. I was around for two hundred though, and I was around for the build of that. And they were promoting and, t- and looking at fights for UC two hundred like a year out. Like they were, they were working on shit. Like they announced uh, Connor Diaz, I think, like, like a month, like March that March, and then the card wasn't for like four months. Like they had already figured out the main event, and then obviously Connor fell out of that fight. So then they they got Jones DC like instantly. They they were much more on top of things. Right now, it feels like the UC, they're kind of like, they're playing Tetris. They're just trying to figure out where the pieces go, you know? And, like, sometimes it falls into place perfectly, and then other times you're sitting around waiting until a month and a half before the event's supposed to go down. The biggest, on paper, supposed to be one of your biggest events of all time. You don't know what the fuck to do. So they kind of lucked out, and the fact that they got Pahaya and Jamal, and Jamal was like, hey, man, like, this is what they offered, and they offered me a bag to go ahead and take it. I'm still healing, but, you know, it's going to be all right. I'm, I'm getting paid a lot of money to do this. So um, I don't have that big of an issue with it. And on paper, like, dude, it's a banger. Like, I understand some people are like, oh, the star power's not there. Do you guys care about fights? Like, just straight-up fights? Jamal Hill Aspe is the fight to make it light heavyweight. So I don't have that big of an issue with it. So um, very excited for it, man, very excited for it. And uh, that card is excellent. Like, if we're if we're moving past the main event, I don't understand people that are fucking complaining about UC 300. Like, if you want to complain about the main event, sure. Is it not UC 300 main event worthy? Probably not. But that card itself is excellent, dude. So, anyways, man. Um, just kind of move on. Speaking of Brazilians, man, at UC 298, it was announced that the axe murderer Vanderlei Silva will be heading into the UC Hall of Fame. He will be inducted. This, I believe, uh, June at International Fight Week. Look, man, he's the latest inductee into the Hall of Fame. One of the most terrifying men to ever step into the cage or ring. What do you make about Vandy getting the Hall of Fame nod? I mean, good. I mean, he deserves it. Uh, Data, obviously, uh, backtracking on some statements, getting called out for it, too, at the presser. And obviously, you know how Data gets defensive. He was defensive, as always. Yeah. 100%, man. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy for Vandy. Just to kind of, I don't think there's a whole lot to really say here. Very deserving. In terms of just, like, I think Vandy Silva, of, of like, if you're going to, like, make a list of the most terrifying MMA fighters ever, uh, he's number one for me personally. I understand there's a lot of you guys put in the conversation, but Pride Vanderlei was just different. Um, 
and I read I read his book. If you guys want to read his book, it's it's great. You can get it translated from from Portuguese. It's it's a great book. And he talks about some of the, like the sparring sessions back at Shootabox in the day. Like he was having fucking wars and then going in and just and it's like, dude, no wonder he was ready, man. No wonder he came out like a bad out of hell, man. He was just he's been fighting the entire time, you know, like just just a dog, man. So I'm so happy for Vandy. Nobody deserves it more, man. Um, I'm a little I, I am a little bit surprised given that he had beef with the UC for a long time. He went to Bellator. He's a pride guy. I'm honestly a little bit surprised that they did actually give him the nod and. Whenever he's in the UC, he was kind of past his prime anyway. So, I mean, he didn't have the run that a lot of people expected. But, dude, he deserved it, so I'm happy for him. Um, Yeah, I mean, kind of next up, these, these are kind of two quick ones to kind of wrap up with. Uh, both of them are interesting subjects I saw throughout the week. Uh, uh, Fyodor Emelianenko, um, one of the greatest fighters of all time, he said that he wants a boxing match. He called out Mike Tyson. And there were actually rumors that those two were going to fight in Saudi Arabia. Apparently it turned out to be not true. Well, with Mike Tyson out of the picture, he said he's down to box young guys. And uh, actually, uh, Angel, uh, a 45-year-old Fedor Emelianenko, he wants to box Francis Ngannou. Uh, he called him out this week. Uh, what do you what do you make about that? Do you want to see Fedor Emelianenko against Francis Ngannou? Let's go, champ. Let's go. <laughs> no, that's not good to yeah, you want to see you want to see poor fucking Fedor die in the cage, <laughs> or not the cage in the ring, but you know, it's just just brutal, dude. I mean, I I don't want to see this, dude. I mean, I love Fedor. I'm down to see Fedor box some of the older dudes. I'm down to see him fight, you know, and and old Mike Tyson if he wants, you know. I'm even down to see him box, you know, Vandy. Vandy said he's down to do some boxing matches. You know, Rampage wants to box. You know, they can have an elders league for some of these guys, I think. But I don't think fucking Nganu is the guy, so. Um, the balls yeah, man. man. Yeah, well, Fedor said, like, he, you know, they were asking me in the interview. He's like, are you, are you, are you sure? You know, he's like a young guy. Like, you're kind of, he's like, it's not, it's not, it's not like I'm fearless or anything. But, you know, like, I'm a seasoned fighter. I know what I'm getting into, you know. I'm like, okay, all right, Fedor. What, what a Chad. I know, absolute Chad. Anyways, man, last minute. Speaking of boxing, you know what we should do? Fedor Emelianenko wants to box. You know who also wants to box? Butterbean. I saw a video last week of Eric Butterbean Esch. Apparently, the man lost 200 pounds thanks to the help of, uh, you know, WCW legend Diamond Dallas Page, DDP Yoga. He lost 200 pounds, got a hip replacement, and he's hitting the pads. He said he wants one more fight. If you had to choose one exhibition opponent for Butterbean, who do you want to see him fight? Bob Sapp. Holy shit. <laughs> Battle of the bodies, right? You're right. You know, I'm actually I'm actually kind of down with that. I'm actually kind of down with that. That's a fight that I'm actually – it feels like it should have happened in Pride before. You know what I mean? I know, right? That's actually – that's a great shout. Um, I'm ready right though, Josh. I didn't see it. I feel like I saw like footage of Butter being walking with like a walker and shit. I do not think it's a good how, idea. How recent? How recent was this? I think it was around the time it released all this footage. Like what you're talking oh, okay. about? Yeah. Well, I saw. I saw he had a he had a so he had a whole mini documentary come out. And I mean, uh, I, mean I don't yeah. know if he had like surgery or like weight loss surgery or something like that. But I saw that video and I was like, oof. I don't know if that's a good idea now that you said that. Yeah, he had. Uh, so he had. Um, he had a, he lost like 200 pounds, and then uh, I think he got a hip replacement. So he's good now. 
By the way, but, Butterbeat is pushing almost 60, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> but at this point, I mean, look, dude, we had fucking old-ass James Tony and, and Donovan Ruddock fight. I mean, at this point, anybody can get in there, you know? Jesus. Uh, Yeah, man, I don't got anything else. You got anything else you want to talk about before we go and bounce out of here, man? No, I mean, I'm I just excited to come back next week, recap this amazing card in Mexico. And, Josh, right after that, we're back on the fucking pay-per-view. I know, believe that? Yeah. that doesn't even, it doesn't even seem real. We're back, dude. MMA's back. You Next know, we week, have, we have a pay-per-view, Josh. Like, what the fuck? I know, dude. I know. What the we, actual fuck? Mom? <laughs> <laughs> we had a rough start to the year, which is which is pretty normal, I'd say, at this point in time. Um, last year was very much the same, but, man, going into the spring, we're heating the fuck up, man. Let's go. Let's go, champ. We got that. So, uh, I know, but we're going to get that heat check, though. That's the only thing that sucks. We get that heat check. Yeah. Anyways, man, that's all, that's all I got. That's all I got, though. Um, I am at Josh Evanoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore one at Courtside Sound for all things relating to the pod. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.